Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Hey, Bill, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, man, good to see you. What's up, dude? How are you doing? Good, man. Good to see you. Um, you don't mind real quick before we get started. I do. Uh, this is a podcast where I do everything, you know, within the, the Zoom meeting. So I do have one quick ad read and then we'll get right into it. How's that sound? Right. Do ads. Whoa, dude. Lots happen. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, totally unrelated sponsor that, you know, I, who knows how I got it. But, you know, today's presenting sponsor of 39 Minute Conversations is Tim Arnold, Myrtle Beach Realtor. Look, y'all, it's been a couple of weeks since Tim Arnold's last ad ran. He called me up and said, why am I not getting any good leads off these ads I paid for? Why are none of your listeners looking to buy a new beach house in beautiful South Carolina? Do they not know about the 50 miniature golf courses? Do they not know that Myrtle Beach has everything from gourmet restaurants to dance clubs to relaxing mornings on a beautiful intercoastal waterway? Do they not know Myrtle Beach has something for everybody, families, young single people, and retirees alike? Son, he calls me son for some reason. Why would anyone not want to live in Myrtle Beach? And I didn't have a good answer for him. Maybe you don't either. And if that's the case and Myrtle Beach Living sounds right for you, email Tim Arnold at Myrtle Beach at timbeachrealtor at gmail.com. That's timbeachrealtor at gmail.com. And look, even if you're not going to buy something, maybe send him a note. Let him know you heard this. It's the only way that he and mom know anyone's actually listening to my show. My guest today is a writer, director, actor, and comedian. He has written for such shows as Cobra Kai, The Neighborhood, Keenan, and Welcome to Flatch. And he was just recently announced as the writer for the upcoming Ferris Bueller spinoff, Sam and Victor's Day Off. His directorial debut, Bitch Ass, which won the Midnighters Audience Award at South by Southwest, is available to rent and purchase on Redbox and Apple TV. Bill Posley, welcome to the show. <laughs> Dude, you have to like send me that intro so I could just like send that. Because <laughs> people be like, hey, what's your bio? And I'm like, oh, God, don't make me talk about myself. So it's always just, the worst. Bios are the, the worst, worst feeling in the world. The worst. So now that you've done that, I will. <laughs> I will happily send that over to you. Yeah, thank you. That'll be the only thing I've ever asked to do the podcast. <laughs> that, that's how I'm going to do my podcast. That's how I'm going to do people's podcasts. I'm like, what do you? Hey, will you do my podcast? I go, yeah, as long as I can keep the bio that you write to intro me. I think that's um, fair. I think that's a good writer. Yeah. So, <laughs> dude, yeah, what's up, man? What are we talking about? What's going on? Oh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, man. This is an interview podcast. I think people are going to be very excited to hear a lot of what you've got going on and what do you have to say. But, I mean, the first things first, we are we are old friends. And, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about, so little time to do it in. But it's been a while since we talked. How have you been these last couple very, very weird years? Uh, yeah, man, good. I've been, you know, lots happened, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to begin, really. Um, you know, things are good. I, you know, I moved to I live up in the valley now, up in the mm -hmm. Burbank. Okay. Um, at, at a pandemic, we left Atwater Village, moved up here, and then... Um, yeah, I've just been, honestly, I've just been like working and like focused on trying to get my own projects off the ground. Yeah. Which you're doing a really good job of. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you and I, we met 
we've known each other for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. We met maybe around like your improv show that you used to host, maybe iOS, like just kind of knew each other from around sketch and improv and those kind of things back in the day. And then we worked together on the CBS comedy showcase and we've been friends since then. And since then, your career has really taken off and it is so impressive. And, you know, I, everybody who knows you saw this coming, we knew, I think we all knew how (laughs) successful you were going to be eventually. Um, But have you taken the time to really like sit down and think about like everything you've accomplished and how far you've come and like, how does that, how does that feel? (laughs) You're like cracking into things that we haven't even gotten to in therapy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, sometimes, yeah. I mean, not, I don't know. It's so hard. I think that like, I think that if you are in a, the pursuit of art or in the pursuit of, uh, of um, something that is artistic, I think that like, there's always a chip on your shoulder. And because mm-hmm. if you're somebody who got it later, you know, um, I, you know, it happened to me, you know, within the last five years, you know, really in the last, honestly, in the last three years, right? So it's like, um, because I had so many years without it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so many years of not being <laughs> successful and struggling, um, I'm afraid to rest on my laurels and be content because I'm afraid mm-hmm. it'll go away. And so the reason, or at least psychologically, I've told myself that the reason why I got here is because I I never let my foot off the gas. And so I don't know if I've taken time to really smell the roses. Mm. I just kind of keep my foot on the gas, I think. Yeah. Um, but there are, t- look, there are moments, you know, you have friends, people in your life who, you know, invite you on a podcast and remind you or... <laughs> Or, you know, you know, the, the, my partner reminds me constantly and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my friends and, and, uh, you know, give me the, uh, the moments to sit down and, and celebrate it and stuff like that. So I, I, I am not doing a good job of, of it, but I, I try, but I think also a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, I don't feel like I'm done yet. So yeah. I, I want to keep pushing. I think that's great. And, um, it's something that I think I struggle with and a lot of writers struggle with is, uh, is discipline. It's sitting down to do it every day. And that's something that you seem, you're the most, if I had to, if I had to describe you in one word, and I don't know why somebody would make me do that, but if I had to, I think I would say that, you know, Bill Posley is driven. I don't know anybody as prolific as you are, as like just actively like chasing, pursuing, always working. Where does that, where does that drive come from? Do you think? wow, man, I don't know, dude, like, um, I don't know, I think that, like, I think that the people who can relate to this can relate to it, I, I think that there is a, something inside of me that is, like, if I do not get this out, (laughs) it's going to eat me alive, Mm -hmm. so if I have an idea, or I have something that I am super passionate about, it's, it's just, like, I can't stop thinking about it and I obsess on it. And it's just like, it festers and it, and it, um, it just continues. It's like, it's literally, you know, I've never, there's a poem called a dream deferred and I never really Mm -hmm. understood it. (laughs) Um, growing up, I always thought it was really simplistic and maybe kind of like, oh, I guess what you make of it, you'll make of it. But like, as I've gotten older, I think that thing is like, what happens to a dream deferred? And um, 
you know, does it just fester and die? And like the longer and longer and longer that I put think, put off my dreams, it grows inside of me like a cancer or it grows inside. So like, I, I genuinely feel like for me, the act of writing and getting things done mm-hmm. is almost like a, oh, yeah, it's like a release is like a breath. And I think that's, that has a lot to do with why uh, I'm driven. I mean, you know, it, it's, um, you know, growing up, I wanted to get out of, um, you know, the, the place I grew up in and I wanted mm-hmm. to leave and I wanted to do all that stuff. And so, um, you know, I was always in an active pursuit for like a better life and like a better situation. And so, um, that's just never kind of stopped. And I've, you know, I've been working since I was, I got my first job hosting uh, at a restaurant when I was 14. Dang. So, you know, I've been working, you know, yeah. longer than, than I've not been working. So, <laughs> um, uh, you, yeah. you, you touched on something there that I kind of want to get into a little bit more. I think, um, that I, I feel the same passion, like when it's like an idea that I'm like really excited about and I have to write this and I have to get this out. Have you found yourself sometimes on projects, not to speak of anything in particular, if you don't want to, but like where it's just a job, you know what I mean? Where it's not something that you're like, oh my God, I have to write this. And then how do you, how does that change your approach and how do you still push yourself if it's something that you're not like, this is from deep within me and I have to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's obviously, you know, when you're working for somebody eventually, I, I, mm-hmm. I, no matter how excited, no matter how cool the show is, no matter how awesome the people are. And I've been on, I, I would, I'm very lucky. I would say most of everything I've ever written on. Um, every, I, I've been very lucky to be yeah, in a lot. Yeah, sure. It's all been great stuff. I'm just, I'm just, but I'm also, just but not even hypothetical. Even, yeah. 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 But not even, but not even, the the shows that themselves i also mean like the actual workspaces like you know there are people who are on really great stuff and the and it's hell mm-hmm. you know, it's real hell and i've been really lucky to not have that be the case but even in those situations at a certain point there are days where it just feels like a job that's yeah. just always going to be the case um um I don't think my stuff feels like a job. I think that's the difference. Like mm-hmm. if I'm doing it for me or I'm doing it for myself, um, it, it doesn't feel like a job. When I'm writing my next feature or my pilot script or producing my short film or my feature or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like a kid, man. I feel like a kid. <laughs> like I feel like the same way I felt when I pretended to be a ninja or I, <laughs> or I, I know, I know it sounds like, no, crazy. I get it. I totally yeah, get it. Easy, but like not one day of that feels like work and we um, should all feel so lucky, man. Absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, like one of the, I was in elementary school and I remember like drawing, like, I remember sending a letter to Fox that was like, why my friends and I should be the next like Power Rangers. And like, here's my show pitch for what the power, this show would be with me and my friends. And like, it does like when, when you're, when it's clicking and it's something that you're excited about, it should feel like you're playing. It should feel like you're a kid again and creating. And that's really cool that like, yeah, that you have that passion and drive that even when it's a job, you find the things that you love about it. And when it's your own stuff, it's just like, it's like playing. It really is. It really, it really is. We take it for granted. And so I think that I, 
you know, I think there's a lot of people who take it for granted. But I, I, I will say when I'm still working, I do try to bring the best version of myself every time. And mm-hmm. even though it's not, you know, my show or my movie or my whatever it ends up being, I still, you know, try and bring that same kind of passion and play and all that stuff to it because I really do just at the core of it just love telling stories and I think like when you tap back into the essence of it that of that like if you simplify it it might sound too simple but if you just simplify it like that then that's where the joy is I think that's where like the beauty comes from because it's just like oh what is the most interesting fun and exciting way to tell this story and as opposed to being like I have to write this thing it's like oh I get to tell I don't know I I I I think the word writer, I I don't know if I, I think sometimes I don't know if I actually connect with it as much as I connect with the idea that I'm, I am a storyteller, mm. however bougie or <laughs> bullshit that sounds, I'm well aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, not a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but you, you served in the military, right? I did, yeah. Did you, um, do you think some of this, some of the discipline that you have and able to sit down every, have you always been a disciplined person, I guess I'm asking, or do you think maybe that led a little bit to like how you might, how you're able to just sit down, put your head down and, and work on those days that you don't feel as, as driven or excited? You know, I, yes, I mean, without a doubt, the military is responsible for a lot of things in my life. I think maybe the biggest thing is the importance of routine. Mm-hmm. I think that the military showed me that when you have a routine, you can thrive in that. And I think that's that was what the military gave me. Um, I will also say there's a ton of people who are in the military who don't do shit. <laughs> um, who who I, I would say that outside of that structure fall apart and don't utilize it and mm-hmm. don't take all the core values that they were taught, especially when it comes to, you know, making the most out of your day. Um, so... I, I, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's tough, but it, I, I think the thing I got the most from the army was, um, was that routine is literally the best way to thrive. Mm. That's definitely an area that I struggle with. And that's like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was talking to my therapist today. I was telling him about this, uh, this meeting. I was like, my friend's so prolific. He does so much. And he was like, well, maybe you'll get some tips about how to be more disciplined. And like, okay, yeah, that's what I'll use the podcast for today is it's just an extra little therapy session and some advice on how I can like, you know, put my head down every day and develop a better routine. It's all it is for me is routine. I, I isolate when my best work time is. Mm -hmm. um, And I make sure that every day, those hours are dedicated to that. And it's amazing what can get done when you know that. And not only when you know that, but when you actually make the time for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish in that. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember who said this, but I there is a quote from a screenwriter who said something along the lines of the most important thing a writer has to protect is their time. And I think that is both very true and also like I think one of the harder things for people to understand that you know like sometimes you're like I'm sorry I'm not blowing you off I'm this is this is just my writing time or um you know sometimes people like hey we should like sit down together and like both be working on our stuff like I know I I just I lock myself in a room I'm so sorry that's just not how I write like is that something that that you um like what's what is your right what does your writing routine look like day to day 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that I am, unfortunately, a morning person. I am very, very much a morning person. Um, um, so I will do the majority of my writing before 7 or 8 a.m. Whoa. So I will probably get somewhere between two to three hours of writing done before 7 or 8 a.m. That's just me. I mean, that's wild though. So what time are you, what time are you waking up every day? So uh, probably about but somewhere between five and six. Okay. Okay. So I, do, I wake up between five and six. If it's six, I'll go to eight. If it's five, I'll go to seven. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some days it's an hour and a half. Some days it's, you know, three, three plus, but, um, but like, yeah, you know, that's just, that's just me. Like today I woke up, I probably, today's an odd day, but I woke up at like, probably three in the morning um, because I, I knew I had something I really wanted. I really wanted more than two or three hours on, yeah. but I also know that at like seven or eight, I'm kaput. I'm not like, I need to go on my, like my next routine is I walk every day for an hour. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have to be, I have to be walking by eight o'clock at, at the latest. Interesting. Uh, I Because I, I have to eat food at nine. Like all, all those there's like a little wind, sometimes 9.30, sometimes, then, but if I'm eating at, if I'm eating the first thing I'm supposed to eat at 10 o'clock, then my day's wrong. Something's up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause um, I've, I've tried different like schedules and patterns. Like I try to, I don't know if this is a COVID thing for me, like the COVID era or not, but I have a hard time like, um, like doing more than one thing in a day, I feel like. So if I work out that morning, like, okay, well, you're not writing today. You already did one thing today. So it's it's good that you have that like built in and like, well, this is exactly when I do this and this and this. It sounds like that really works for you. Yeah, I, and again, I, I, I like I said, I know when I'm at my best and I dedicate the time to do that. You know, there's some people who can write at night. I can't write at night. I'm like not a night owl type of writer. I'm not, that's like not my thing. I can't write in the middle of the day. I can't write after lunch. I can't write at 9 a.m. I like, I legitimately, honestly need to, my best hours are from that. So like when I, if anybody's hiring me, know that by the time I get to your room, I've been writing for two or three hours. Uh, (laughs) I was going to ask what that mean, like when you're in a writer's room, like, yeah so like they just you're not writing like you're not so much writing like while you're there obviously you're taking the script with you like when you're assigned one and just the room is more about talking about ideas and stuff but is that weird that you've you know that that that's the time you or is no it's everybody writes when they write and the scripts just come in yeah yeah everybody writes when they write i mean i i it's you know everybody's things should look the way it should look to them if you wrote a word a day i mean eventually you'd write a script you know it's like so for me i'm just happy that um, i'm happy that i know what my routine when my when my routine thrives and exactly how to utilize it and so to me that's the best and so um why why not try and limit why not try and limit the reasons for me to not do it because yeah. like if it's late, I won't do it. If it's this, I won't do it. If it's that, I won't do it. But if it's exactly as soon as I wake up, I'm so like, I'm ready. I'm enthusiastic to write. I know all that stuff. I'm the opposite. I'm like you, right? So I'm like, if I work out, that's it. I'm done. There's no way I'm writing after I work out. So I don't even allow myself to work out before I write. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. I need to. I don't allow I myself to do yeah. anything before I write because it'll take me away from writing. 
that is honestly like this is exactly what my therapist was hoping would happen today that's that's really good advice and i'm gonna try that out um i do want to get in some other areas um i don't know if you ever think about this i don't know if people know this about you but i don't know if you ever think about yourself this way but you're kind of the reverse mike white in that <laughs> In that, you know, Mike White was wrote, um, you know, he's the writer of White Lotus. He wrote School of Rock, among other things, for people who don't know. And after he was already a successful writer, he appeared on Survivor. You were also a contestant on Survivor, but before all of this blowing up happened, what was, what was that like being on Survivor? I don't think we've ever actually talked about that, like, outside of this context. Yeah, uh, Survivor was, it was a great experience. It came at a time in my life that I really needed it. I needed an incredible change. I needed to be shaken up mm -hmm. um, out of my life. I was dealing with a lot of stuff personally that wasn't healthy and wasn't good for me. And so I um, had this opportunity, you know, I sent in, you know, I had an opportunity to send in an audition and, and I got chosen and I was very, very lucky, but it, it allowed me some peace mm from my own life that I really, really needed at the time, toxic relationship, un undealt with PTSD, alcohol, drugs. Like I was, I was, you know, really in a little bit of a pickle when it came to um, taking myself seriously mm. and being able to go to Survivor, remove me from my life and remove me from me for mm. the exact two months or whatever it was that I needed to get peace. And I like really connected and found myself. And when I came back from Survivor, I went on just like a tear. Mm. I just went on a tear and it was great. I started like, I'm going into, if this is what it means to be a writer, this is what I have to do, or an actor, or a, if this is what it means to be my career, this is what I'm gonna do. You know, got a job, started doing this put myself through all these classes, boom, all this stuff. So like um, Survivor, while I did not win a million dollars, it gave me a life that was worth way more. That's amazing. I was not expecting that, like that answer. That's really beautiful. And like, it's cool that you got that experience out of it. Yeah. Um, speaking, like you said, you know, as you mentioned, since Survivor, you've been on a tear. And uh, part of that tear was, as I mentioned in your, in your intro, that you are writing this, a spinoff of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Sam and Victor's Day Off, about the two valets who joyride in uh, Cameron's car. I know you probably can't say much about it at all, but here's what I want you to do. Tell me everything about it and give, let's make some deadline headlines. Let's, uh, let's give this podcast some listens. <laughs> Um, what, whatever you feel like you can say about it it's I'm very excited I was very excited for you when I saw that announcement very happy for you and you know don't get yourself in trouble but say you know, if there's anything you can or want to talk about I'd love to hear it no I mean look it was a, it's a cool opportunity I, I I couldn't have been I couldn't have been more excited and happy and blessed and like just feel so lucky and you know like a lot of us you know Ferris Bueller's you know just one of the best one of the best yes um but yeah um you know uh the production company came to me with this with a uh this angle and then they wanted me to pitch a take on it and I did mm -hmm. um and um I really loved this way in because I think that 
any version that was like a sequel or like Ferris Bueller today or mm -hmm. um, the black Ferris Bueller. I think like anything like that would have, I don't know if I would have been as interested in doing it, but the fact that it takes place during the same time and it is that same world just seen through a different lens is very exciting. Mm -hmm. I very love that. Exciting. Yeah. And so I think that it's such a cool idea and I hope and I know, listen, everybody who, if you hate me for even writing this or touching the property, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I hate me. Anytime I see or I see anything like this announced, I'm like, why are you guys doing this? Pick some original ideas. There's a ton of stories that haven't been told. Why are you trying to fucking ruin something I love so much? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope I'm I hope people feel that it's closer to like Top Gun Maverick <laughs> um, than then uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of something that people ruined but um, <laughs> then it is you know a property that has been tried to that has tried to be rebooted and and just not done very well or not considerate of the fan base so I'm sure know that a fan is a, a, a huge fans working on it and he's writing it and i'm trying my best to honor that and um bring something new and exciting to it i was going to ask about that and you kind of already covered it but i'm going to push through anyway because i'm a bad interviewer and i want to cover this this anyway um you've worked on cobra kai you're working on this ferris bueller thing that's two very beloved properties that I mean, Cobra Kai did is, is doing what you're saying. It is like, I think when it was announced, people were like, well, why are they bothering? And then people love it. And I think, so do, how much pressure do you feel of like honoring the original versus how much freedom do you feel in like, I can do something new and fun with this, with either, with either property? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, working in Cobra Kai and working with those guys, I think that the thing that you have to do is you have to create a balance. You have to do something where you're like, okay, we are going to stay true to the, the world in, in, in regards to, um, you know, these characters are going to be these characters and they're, they're going to operate in a way that is familiar to the people who are watching it. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, you have to be ready to, to, pave new ground and make it relevant as to why you're telling this story. And yeah. so I think that that is like kind of the balance. And so like, if it's all homage, it's can be nauseating. Yeah. Um, and if there isn't any nods to what people love to make it feel like, Hey, if you love this, you're in on what, on this, you know, what's happening. Mm -hmm here you go, um, then, then you're missing the point of, of doing something like this. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel, you know, enormous pressure at the end of the day to do both. And I hope with my uh, working with the, uh, the guys, uh, John, Josh, and Hayden, um, who do this very, very well, that I'm in good hands uh, with, <laughs> with them as producers. And um with my experience on Cobra Kai and, and working on a property like that and bringing 
it to life with them. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that um, I couldn't be more set up <laughs> for success. And, uh, and I fingers crossed that it, it translates. Well, I'm sure, dude, you're like, I've, I don't mean to keep, you know, but you're, you're so good. Like we knew like this TV showcases, your sketches were always great. The, yeah, you're a talented dude. I would trust you. I, I think if anybody's listening, who's worried about this show or movie, don't be, you know, this is, this is good hands. Um, I have other areas I want to get into with you, but I want to make sure that we do this while we have time. You just made your feature directorial debut on something that you co-wrote, um, Bitch Ass, which I watched this morning. It's very fun. Um, great, like throwback slasher movie. Um, what were, first of all, what was it like moving from, from, you know, writing and acting, which I knew you more from to, to directing your first big feature? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was hard. It was really fucking hard, but it was awesome. And, um, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, (laughs) we had no money. Sure. Um, we had no, we had no vaccine yet. Um, we had, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that's when you shot it. Okay. Yeah. You know, we shot it in, March of 2021 so the vax had not or it it had been done but it was only uh for people over 60 yeah not for us yet right for us yet and so you know I had to do all this really you're rolling the dice you know because you're just like if one person gets COVID this whole thing shut down um you know your COVID testing it's eating up so much of your budget I you know I tried to go sag I had 12 days it was uh you shot it in 12 days 12 days, man. Dude, it looks, that's amazing. 12 days, 12 days. We had $250,000 in 12 days. Wow. Um, You said, what, what would you say if somebody was trying to direct their first movie? What advice would you have for, you know, like uh, preparing for it, for what it's actually like on the day? Yeah, I think, you know, (laughs) <laughs> two cameras um <laughs> great great yeah 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 uh is my first thing now um i would say trust yourself you know trust yourself and 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 like trust your your team i i can't stress that enough if you if there's even a red an, an inkling that you and somebody that you are in pre-production with aren't vibing, end it. Mm. Like just just say, hey, look, you're great. I think you're amazing. This just ain't the relate. This ain't if we have to be on set together and we're not vibing right now, this is not okay. You know yeah. what I mean? We gotta we gotta nip that in the bud before the press. This is no pressure, <laughs> and we're not working out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Imagine what, how to feel when the pressure is on. It's going to be yeah. nuts. So like, um, that would be it. And then also, if you're the director, you set the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you're responsible for the tone on that set because everybody's looking looking to you to lead. And so, have fun. <laughs> have fun. Even even if it's bad, have fun. I mean even if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, have fun. You know, like I genuinely, I'm sure there are people who are, there are people who are going to watch bitch ass that are going to be like, 
this movie <laughs> this movie really um i it's could do this and i could do it better and you're right you can and they and they're right it's to some people just okay but i'll tell you something when we were making it we were having fun mm -hmm. we poured our heart and our love and our blood sweat and tears to it and i think what translates in that movie is it looks like it was a good time <laughs> it definitely does it is a very fun throw like i said as a throwback to these like older slashers and you even at tony todd's in your movie doing sort of the the tales from the crypt tales from the hood like bookend um narrator type character what was it like working with like a horror legend like that great consummate professional nailed it on the first take he's six foot something he's ginormous <laughs> he has the deepest voice ever and it sends chills up your spine and he couldn't have been lovelier and more passionate about the project and he was the best literally the best that is so awesome that's very that's very sweet um one thing i want to talk about i don't we don't have a ton of time left but um before pandemic hit one of the the last things that i think i saw you at it's hard to remember exactly the timing of everything because everything's a blur now but um you did uh this amazing one-man show um the day i became black is that still are you still performing that is that is that available anywhere because it's it's really great and people should definitely see it december 9th in hollywood at the bourbon room i'm doing the very last day oh my god i didn't realize this was going to be a plug i'm and then i stepped on you doing it please do please 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 tell us when and where we can see it um yeah so december 9th eight o'clock the bourbon room in hollywood it's the last time i'm ever putting the show up oh man it's uh, such a good show people should you should definitely get on that if you haven't seen it it's so good yeah man what You're was really it it's it's such a personal show but it's also and it's it, it's it's deep it's it has dark moments it has funny moments um what is it like getting that personal about your own life and your own story in front of people because like as writers sometimes like obviously our our lives influence what we write but this is just straight up this is who i am how does that and it's very it's a much more vulnerable experience i think how does that feel to you to, to do just something like that yeah it's it's great i i and scary and you know therapeutic and and cathartic all all and all wrapped up into one and you know i i fell in love with performing um and through stand-up and i fell in love with it through writing as well because you get to write what you perform and like so for me um it goes back to that same thing it's just it's another form of storytelling and and i think i i fall in love with it um it's so cool to be in front of an audience and be able to convey like what's going on in your head to them and get this like really instant reaction because mm -hmm. you know, when you write you send stuff off to be read or when you act on camera you wait, wait. for it to be yeah. cut and somebody watches it without you <laughs> it's you know theater uh live performance mm -hmm. all that stuff 
is, you know, the only space for the writer to like see somebody, you know, watch their work. I mean, I guess unless you write a movie and you go to the theaters, but you know, sure, that's but yeah, that's happening less and less, but it's, it's really, really, it's great. That's awesome, man. We have about four minutes left. So before we, because eventually Zoom is just going to end and cut us off. That is what this show is. So I want to give you the opportunity now to where can people follow you? Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, anything along those lines? Nah, man, we get enough and we did enough of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, you you're not a big social media. You're not a big social media guy either. So no, no, I'm not. And uh, to my own detriment, I'm sure, but it's, uh, prob- it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Uh, it, has, it has wrecked my mental health in numerous ways. Uh, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, I do have some deep areas that I want to get to. I want to get to know you on a, on a deeper, more emotional human level here. But first, one more quick ad read. Um, we are also not officially sponsored by, but doing an unpaid, unofficial ad for vaccines.gov. It's the holiday season. Many of you will be gathering with your loved ones, not me probably because of my deeply held anxieties, but whatever your holiday traditions, keep yourself and the people you care about safe. It's flu season, COVID's still out there. Get the new bivalent COVID booster if you haven't done so already. Get your flu shot. I just got both. I'm alive. I feel fine. My 5G cell phone signal, never been stronger. To find and schedule an appointment near you, visit vaccines.gov. Bill, when you die, as we all eventually do, what do you want people to say about you and, and your life? Um, did you know he fenced? You fenced? No, I don't, but I, I, <laughs> I want to learn. And then I hope people would be like, did you know that he was like a fencer? <laughs> like, this- and, like he could like, he was like, an alternate on the Olympic team. Like, did you know that? Like, <laughs> like he did? And I'm like, yeah, he did. Like, so you just, like, you just want people making stuff up about you after you're gone? No, or no. Do you like, actually I hope between to... now and then I yeah. get good enough to make, be an alternate on the Olympic team. And then I hope that when <laughs> I die, people are like, dude, he, he wrote bitch ass. He wrote and directed bitch ass. And they're like, yeah, but that's not even the fucking, that's not even like the thing, dude. He, he was like an alternate on the Olympic team, 2032. If anybody could do this, if anybody could change streams in that way, I think, I think it would be you. Um, Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody said that about just like some asinine thing that you're like, did you know he fenced? They're like, really? Anyway, go ahead. Next. <laughs> um, aside from fencing, if you could know something about your future, or know what your future looked like, but couldn't change it, would you want to, or would you rather not know? <laughs> um, man, it all depends. I guess you do, it does depend on what I wish I knew. Um, the cheesy answer is, I don't wanna know, cause life, the surprises are what make it great, but if I knew I was about to hit it big, I'd want to know. So I could just like start testing my friends, see who's really loyal, <laughs> use it against them later, start fucking getting, yeah. So I guess I'd know. Okay, that's fair. Um, if you could time travel, but only once there and back, 
Where would you go and why? Past, future, anything. Um, I would go back to Y2K. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a specific reason? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would go back to Y2K because I think it might be one of the most pivotal points in our system. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay, too. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.